0: a secret location in room 100 of 540 Jack Gibbs Boulevard, this is Craft. I'm your host, Doug Dangler. Jennifer Cheverini is the author of 20 Elm Creek Quilt Novels, followed by three historical fiction novels. She will be in Columbus at the Book Loft on March 9th, six days after the March 3rd publication of her latest historical fiction novel, Mrs. Grant and Madam Jewel. Information on that is available at crafttheshow.com. Welcome to Craft, Jennifer Sheverini.
1: Thank you. It's great to be here.
0: Well, tell me about your latest book, which is a reimagining of the relationship between Ulysses S. Grant's wife, Julie, and her slave, Madame Julie.
1: When I was researching an earlier novel, um, Mrs. Lincoln's Dressmaker, and it was there that I learned about julia grant and i found it fascinating that instead of being hundreds of miles away safe at home throughout the civil war she actually spent quite a lot of time with her husband at military headquarters and she wasn't always alone she often brought their youngest child or all four of their children along with her now she wasn't actually on the battlefield her her husband at least would make sure that he was in a reasonably safe location and it would be where his headquarters was that she would join him but she would be with him for weeks or even months at a time and so i thought that was very interesting because it kind of contradicts our idea of woman womanhood of that era where they were strictly within the domestic sphere in home in the house and never exposed to any danger And, um, you know, women of her class and race, of course, but um, that was not at all the case for her. And I found that very interesting. And then as I was learning more about Julia Grant, I came across a uh, description of one of her uh, outings out on the out to military headquarters. And I was astonished to read that when Julia Grant traveled to meet her husband, she often brought her favorite slave along. Mm -hmm. And I was astounded by this um, because it just seemed this inherent contradiction that the wife of the general who was leading the Union armies in the war that would abolish slavery in the United States would be herself a slave owner. And that just fascinated me. And I I wondered not only how did Julia reconcile this contradiction, because to me it was an inherent contradiction, but what would it have been like for her slave, for this other woman who shared her name, Julia, although she was usually referred to as Black Julia or Jewel, to distinguish her from her mistress. I thought, what would it have been like for her to be there exposed to all the same risks and dangers of travel and of being at military headquarters as her mistress and to be in slavery, to be in slavery there. When other African-Americans were fleeing their plantations, they were crossing into Union lines and they were being employed as free people in, you know, serving the, working for the army in one capacity or another, what would it have been like for her to have been there enslaved when all around her, people of her race were enjoying freedom for the first time? And that just kept a hold on my imagination ever since I read and I was writing these other books. And I, I really wanted to explore more about these two individual women and also their relationship.
0: Okay, so what exists in the historical record that gives you an indication of what it was like? Uh, What kind of research did you do for the books?
1: Well, I always do a a significant amount of research. I try to focus on primary sources, although other scholars' uh, histories and biographies are, of course, invaluable as well. uh, Julia left behind a memoir of her own. She didn't publish it during her lifetime, but it was published in um, about 75 years after her death. And so that gives us a good insight into her feelings and to her experiences of various events. But unfortunately, there's very little in the historical record about Jewel. We get glimpses of her in Julia's memoir and a few, other people who wrote memoirs or kept journals and were at headquarters at the same time julia was mentioned her maid so we know that she was there but she didn't leave behind any memoir of her own as far as i know right and so in the novel almost everything from jules about jules story is a, a work of imagination i i researched uh what other african americans were going through and what their accounts of life during the times that Jewel was in certain locations in the country throughout the war to try to get an insight into that perspective. But um, unfortunately, I, I didn't have much in the historical record to tell me a lot about Jewel. So that's when the fiction really enters into historical fiction.
0: Right. So tell me about uh, your creation of this character that you didn't have a lot of background on. What were some of the things that really brought her to life for you as you were writing the book?
1: There was one little passage in Julia's memoir where she mentions that while she was traveling back and forth from military headquarters, she was passing through Nashville And she just mentions, almost as an aside, just a few, just maybe two sentences, no more, about how, well, that was where her maid left her. That's where she departed. And even though there, and she says something about, well, I heard that she got married sometime afterward. So it's it's evident, even in those few lines, that the wound is still very raw for Julia. She felt betrayed when Jewel left her. Now, of course, to us today, we're going to think, well, of course she's going to run away given the opportunity. Who wouldn't? But to Julia, this was absolutely unthinkable because she thought Jewel was her friend and her confidant. And in childhood, perhaps that would have been possible. But I think anybody with any empathy can put themselves into Jules' place and think about what it would have been in, to have remained a slave, even after the Emancipation Patient Proclamation, to have remained a slave to the wife of General Grant, and you know who would not have run off in those certain situations. But to see that Julia was still so hurt that she had to th- throw out this line about Well, I think I heard she got married soon afterwards that, oh, she didn't leave me for me. She left me because she was in love. She had to add this excuse to it because I don't think she could really handle the reality of why Jewel would have run off. And that told me a lot about what this woman would have been like. Mm -hmm. She wasn't just passively attending to her mistress's needs when she was traveling back and forth from... Um, in the, the, the homes in St. Louis and in the Cincinnati area. I'm sure she was observing uh, every detail about how to travel, how to slip past a person taking tickets at the ferry, things like that. I, I would think that she would be gathering information, learning as much as she could, and biding her time until a good opportunity came to make her escape. And that told me a lot of what she must have been like in childhood, and what she would have been like as she and Julia grew up together, and in, inevitably grew apart.
0: Right. It sounds like there wasn't a lot of political damage to uh, General Grant's career at that time because um, you know he was an abolitionist, and his but his wife was keeping a slave. Is that the case?
1: It, that it does not seem to have hurt him at all that his wife own slaves, or and of course there is some question about whether Julia owned them or whether her father actually owned them. But to me, that's not really an important point because she clearly exploited Jewel and other slaves that were in her care. She certainly did benefit from the enslavement of other human beings. So whether she was actually the legal owner, I don't think is terribly. Is significant. Mm -hmm. She still, she still bought into the system. She could have, you know, bought Jules' freedom and and things of that sort. But it certainly didn't seem to hurt um, Ulysses S. Grant at all. And perhaps that's because there were other slave owners among Union soldiers too. There, you know, there uh, there were slave states that remained in the Union. And so he would not have been alone. He would not have been the only one. So while that didn't hurt him in his military career and it didn't hurt him politically, it of course made, as we can all imagine, it certainly made for some friction between the two families. Right. They were very much in love, just pretty much from the first weeks that they met. But they really did come from different worlds. Julia was the the pampered and privileged daughter of Missouri uh, slave owners. She was very well liked, very popular, quite a belle. And um, Ulysses came from. He was the son of Ohio abolitionists. They the two families did not see that this marriage could possibly work. Uh, and but so uh, Julia's father made them when he finally consented. That they could wed, he made them wait out a four-year engagement. And when they finally got through that, and he agreed to let them marry, he agreed to give him his consent. Ulysses' family did not attend the wedding. They could not abide the idea that he was marrying into a slave-owning family, and they continued to express their disapproval. In ways large and small throughout the marriage, they occasionally did try to um, separate the two by finding Ulysses a great job in Galena, Illinois, as long as Julia didn't go with him (laughs) and things like that. But to his credit, Ulysses would have absolutely no no part of that at all.
0: That's like a a very difficult situation for him uh, to be caught in Um, and with very uh, difficult choices to be made on each side
1: absolutely absolutely
0: so you've written also uh, bestsellers mrs. Lincoln's dressmaker and mrs. Lincoln's rival so this time period really attracts you tell me about what there is uh, about you think your fascination with a time period that's a fascination for a lot of people but what is there in particular that interests you here
1: well it certainly is it certainly was an absolutely critical time for the survival of our nation And looking back, we can see how it threw what is best about our country and what is best about ourselves as human beings and the worst of our nature just into sharp contrast and right again up against each other. We see incredible acts of heroism and courage, but we also see deplorable acts of um, merciless cruelty, not only. Um, towards African Americans in slavery or as soldiers. Um, but on the battlefields and uh, it, you know, Sherman's March often comes to mind when we, we think of things Andersonville, the prison conditions were absolutely deplorable and yet we also see people risking their lives to help others. Um, whether it was enlist in the army to hold the Union together and um and slavery um and then also the devotion that women on the home front showed just um committing themselves to providing all kinds of supplies both women north and south were essential to keeping the soldiers clothed and um, in shelter and fed because both sides north and south were utterly unprepared to fight a war of this scope and magnitude, there were shortages of everything, and the women, north and south, came together to hold fundraisers and uh, all kinds of uh, all kinds of supply drives in order to make sure that not only their loved ones in the army, but also their neighbors and and beyond their own communities. So we saw those those kind of acts of bravery and self sacrifice, and. I think, too, a lot of my novels are character-driven, and they're based upon relationships within the family. And this war, we so often hear the idea that uh, it was brother against brother, Um, and that was certainly true. But it wasn't only brother against brother, Sisters, um, sisters had husbands and sons who were fighting on one side, and their other siblings might be on the other. And I thought that that, and I saw that dynamic play out in Julia's own family as well, possibly because she was living in Missouri where, which was, um, certainly a, a very divided in its loyalties, whether it be union or, or Confederate. Her brother was, um, he was, uh, captured and sent into a Confederate prisoner of war camp, even though he himself sympathized with the South. And, uh, so I, when I saw that dynamic playing out in her own family, that was important too. And so it, it has, the Civil War period has such sharp contrasts that it really it seems to be an almost endless source of inspirations
0: for stories. Okay. So I'm curious about the reaction that you've gotten from historians. Uh, what, what is, have they responded to your books? Is that something that you uh, look forward to or, or not look forward to? How's that worked for you?
1: Well, I've been really quite pleased and uh, really humbled by a lot of the good responses, favorable responses that I've received from historians as well as history buffs, although I'm sure there's a lot of overlap between those two groups. I think it's one of the things that I I love about historical fiction is that it really allows you to experience and empathize with a character. And so they make... I think effective learning tools um, because a list of dates and a list of facts can only carry you so far but historical fiction really allows you to delve into the inner thoughts and uh, the personalities and sort of to experience it vicariously what the characters are going through and then of course we always have to add that caveat that the historical record can take us so far any time an author talks about he felt or she thought, you know at that point we are making it up. Um, so even taking into account that the historical fiction is to one degree or another speculative, it gives readers a chance to experience that era and those events in a way that some, a, a primary document might not be able to completely do.
0: Sure, makes, uh, makes a lot of sense. Now, you're on tour with a book, and um, or at least are, are going to be on tour with the book, and that's part of what you'll be uh, doing at March 9th at the Book Loft in Columbus, Ohio. And I'm curious, when you're on tour like that, you get to interact a lot with your fans, what's the favorite question you get from them? What do you like to hear from them?
1: Oh, what do I like to hear? Well, I, I'm always interested in hearing what parts of the book they found most interesting or surprising, mm-hmm. what they learned about a character or a historical event that they didn't know before. I, I like to feel, I like to think that historical fiction can enlighten people who aren't familiar with the historical era about that time. And I also think that it, can, I like to, I hope that it can inspire empathy. When I wrote uh, an earlier novel, The Runaway, or no, not The Runaway Quilt, um, The Lost Quilter, it was from the perspective of, it was a fictional character, and it was her experience as a slave in South Carolina, in Edisto Island, and in Charleston before and during the Civil War. And I relied a lot upon oral histories that were taken by the Works Progress Administration authors during the great depression these authors were employed by the government to go and take down the stories of the last generation of people who had lived as slaves because they were aging and passing on and their stories were going with them so all of these first persons accounts of their experiences in slavery were recorded and uh, i i read them and i found them both horrifying and heartbreaking and fascinating and I use those stories to inform my main character's perspective. And so she had a very harsh life as a slave. And after that book came out a few years ago, I had a lot of readers who came to me and said that they had no idea that it was so horrific. They had no idea that these sort of things would, had been going on. And they now, you know, my, I'm, I was startled by this. Um, you know, I just assumed that it was common knowledge that this was a horrible, horrible experience. But I can also understand that maybe some people were given a more sanitized version of their family history than what actually went on. And I heard that from so many different readers that I felt like, if nothing else, the book did enlighten um, some, some people about uh, giving them a new perspective on what that era was like and perhaps inspiring more compassion and greater understanding for a lot of the issues that we are still facing today.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, Jennifer Sheparini, I want to thank you very much for talking to me today. Uh, look, really looking forward to your 9th, March 9th reading and, uh, I believe, signing at the Book Loft yes. uh, in Columbus, Ohio, in German Village. And uh, again, the book is called Mrs. Grant and Madam Jewel, and it is available on March 3rd, right? That's correct. Well, thank you very much, Jennifer Cheverini. Thank you. For more information from my guests, visit www.crafttheshow.com. This is Doug Dangler. Until next time, be creative.